Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, rugby fans. Welcome to episode 161 of the DNVR Rugby Podcast. My name is Colton Strickler. I'm your host. Got a good show for everybody today. Looking forward to jumping into it. And we'll start it off the same way we do every week, by jumping straight into the breakdown, which is brought to you by O'Neill's. O'Neill's is the official sportswear supplier to the biggest teams in world rugby, Infinity Park, and the American Raptors. Shop apparel now at O'Neill's.com. That's O-N-E-I-L-L-S.com. So starting off with the Raptors. If you listen to the show last week, you'll know they were off. They had a bye week. Uh, they've had a pretty regular schedule this this fall so far. Uh, last week's first week, they've had off in a while. And they get back to it this weekend uh, with a match against St. Mary's College on Saturday at Infinity Park at 1 p.m. There is a curtain raiser at 11 a.m. between the Denver Water Dogs and St. Mary's B-Side. Both matches are free and open to the public. So if you're in Denver looking for something to do on Saturday, uh, that's the place to be. I think the gates are at 10.30, uh, so it should be a good game. I saw the roster come out today. Uh, looks like a good team, and I'm looking forward to watching them play. If you remember, the Raptors have not played at Infinity Park since June, since the last Challenge Cup of the Americas match. The rest of the matches this fall have been on the road, and there is one more next weekend. It should come out, I think, Monday, um, what, what's going on with that. But that one's going to be exciting. Hopefully we can watch it. It's not going to be around... Denver, at least. Uh, that's all I'll say about that. Uh, but this will be the first match that Sarah Shabbat's taking over, interim head coach, uh, after Paul Emmerich departed the team a couple weeks ago. So uh, looking forward to see how they perform under Sarah um, and how she kind of runs the show. Uh, there's going to be a lot to look for. So if you can't make it out to Infinity Park, you can live stream the match on AmericanRaptors.com for free as well. But hopefully you can. This will be the last time you see some rugby at Infinity Park for a couple of months. So Come on out, enjoy the Saturday. It should be a nice, good day. Uh, moving into USA Rugby. Men's sevens are in Hong Kong this weekend. Former American Raptor David Stills on the roster um, as he has become a mainstay on the USA men's sevens roster, which is good to see. And then the men's 15s team, they're in Dubai for the final qualification tournament. I was hoping that Caleb Geiger would make this team, but he did not make it, unfortunately. And as the name of the competition suggests, this is the last shot at qualifying for the Rugby World Cup next year, so they better have a good showing or will likely be seeing an entirely new regime at USA Rugby come next year. It would I'm just speculating here, right? But that seems to be 
you know, the writing seems to be on the wall for that, that they need to qualify or else there's got to be some changes. It's a performance-based business, sports is, and you gotta you got to perform and you got to have a good showing here. So looking forward to watching them. Uh, that starts this weekend. They take on Kenya on Sunday at 5 a.m. Mountain Time. Next weekend, they're playing on Saturday at 7.30 a.m. Mountain Time, and then two weeks, they're taking on Portugal on Friday at 8.30 a.m. Mountain Time. So uh, looking forward to watching them. I do get excited watching the Eagles play. Uh, the women's Eagles were unfortunately eliminated from the Rugby World Cup last week in the quarterfinal round with another loss to Canada. Uh, Canada beat them back-to-back weeks, but they did have a good showing. So congrats on them for having a good showing at the at the Rugby World Cup. Definitely something to build upon, something to work for for the next cycle. Which I'd be uh, is that going to happen in what two years now? Since they are behind schedule on that, uh, so that's always interesting to how that messes with an athlete, right? That that definitely has to make a difference. Uh, but but congrats again to them on a good showing. I think that does it for USA Rugby updates. We'll move into MLR. A lot, lot less to talk about the MLR this week with with some of that drama kind of subsiding. The two teams have been eliminated from the league, and the the Gilgronies and the Giltinis, as we talked about on last week's episode. Um, but the big new announcement this week is that they announced the addition of a Chicago team for 2023. We don't know who the ownership group is. We don't know the name of the team, and we don't know where they're going to play just yet. We also don't know about the dispersal draft. So all those team, all those players that played for teams that got. The Ziggy are awaiting their fate. I've read a couple of things that said that the players have not really heard about, you know, much about where they're going to play next season. Um, but I would imagine that that's going to be happening pretty soon again because, you know, it's November now. A lot of teams report at the end of December to get going on the next season. So that's coming up quick. Uh, so we'll just keep our eyes peeled for that. We'll keep our ear to the ground. Uh, keep looking out for any new information about the Chicago team and what's going to happen to the players that were playing on these the Guild teams last year. Let's go move into All the Rugby You Can Watch this weekend now. All the Rugby You Can Watch this weekend is brought to you by Wintergreen. Wintergreen loves rugby and wants to support USA Rugby's mission of uniting an inclusive, passionate rugby community to grow the sport of rugby in America. Wintergreen gels, creams, sprays, and soaks are made with wintergreen oils and other therapeutic natural oils to help soothe and support sore muscles and joints to keep you at your best. Visit wintergreensport.com to purchase the products you need to help you prepare to win. Starting off with the American Raptors, just talked about a little bit, but I wanted to remind you, if you know, maybe you skip that part, maybe you just start listening right now. American Raptors versus St. Mary's College of California on Saturday at 1 p.m. You can watch this on AmericanRaptors.com, or if you want to watch it live, just go to Infinity Park. They'll let you walk right in the gates. It's a free match, so hopefully see you there. Uh, USA Men's 7s in Hong Kong this weekend. They start off by playing Spain on Friday at 2.28 a.m. Mountain Time. Then they take on Japan on Friday at 9.50 p.m. Mountain Time. So you start and end your day with some USA Rugby. And then uh, they play Fiji on Saturday at 2 a.m. And then the knockout round starts, so I'm sure there'll be more matches in there after that. But those are the three pool matches that they've got. You can catch that whole tournament on Peacock. It's other nice thing about Peacock. You can just log in whenever and watch the replay. So if you're not planning on getting up at two in the morning like i'm not planning on doing that i'll just watch it when i wake up uh we get the men's eagles 15s team that final qualification tournament they take on kenya on sunday at 5 a.m probably not waking up for that one either but the good thing about this is that it's for free on the rugby network so we can watch all the final qualification tournament for free on the rugby network they're also showing portugal versus hong kong on sunday at 7 30 a.m so you can watch the usa's next two opponents 
um, for free on the Rugby Network. So make sure you tune into that. I would assume you'd be able to just rewatch that one also. That's what I'm planning on doing. I'm not sure they have to wait a day or whatever the, the rules are. 5 a.m. is a little early for me to get up on, on Sunday. Uh, Women's Rugby World Cup continues this weekend. Uh, semifinal rounds, we got Canada versus England on Friday at 9.30 p.m. and New Zealand versus France on Saturday at 12.30 a.m. You can catch both of those matches on Peacock as we get set up for the next weekend's grand finale, right? Final, Rugby World Cup final in the third place match taking on, you know, taking place between the winners of these two matches and the losers of those two matches. So looking forward to watching that next weekend as well. We've got top 14 rugby on Saturday and Sunday on Flow Rugby, Premiership Rugby all weekend on Peacock. And then we have a bunch of international fixtures as well. Italy versus La Capi Samoa on Saturday at 6.55 a.m. Scotland versus Fiji also on Saturday at 6.55 a.m. Wales versus New Zealand All Blacks on Saturday at 9.10 a.m. Ireland versus South Africa on Saturday at 11.30 a.m. France versus Australia on Saturday at 1.55 p.m. I think, yeah, and I said, I wrote a.m. That cannot be right. And then England versus Argentina on Sunday at 7.15 a.m. Uh, watch all those matches on Flow Rugby, and I believe that does it for all the rugby you can watch this weekend. If I'm missing anything, I'm sorry. I did my best to track it down as I usually do. So let's go ahead and jump into the interview portion of the show now. The interview with pro football focus lead analyst Sam Monson is brought to you by Guard Lab. Join the mouthguard revolution with American made mouthguards that perform, protect, and recover. For more information, visit guardlab.com. So I really enjoyed this conversation with pro football focus's lead analyst fellow rugby fan Sam Monson about the possible implementation of some rugby attacking concepts into the game of football you know just going through Sam's Twitter he was how this kind of started I'll backtrack a little bit a friend of the program Stephen Thomason uh, was tweeting a little bit a few weeks ago about how he wanted to see an actual like organized mall in an NFL game and it's kind of started to happen. I've noticed, I'm sure a lot of other people have noticed as well, whenever the, the Philadelphia Eagles need a yard, they're in short-yarded situations, they just line up and, and they run a pretty much a mall. They get two guys stacked behind Jalen Hurts, and as soon as they snap the ball, those guys latch, and they just push him over. They push him a yard or two forward, however much they need, um, and they've done it out of a few different looks. Uh, and this is kind of, you know, it goes back to the push-push, which, you know, a famous play, USC Notre Dame back in the early 2000s. And there's been other instances of of guys getting stood up and and players latching on behind them and pushing because that's the rule. Aiding the runner, you can't get in front of them and pull them across. You know, I couldn't get in front of Jalen Hurts as he's, you know, running south. I couldn't get on the south and pull him across, but I could get behind him and I can push. There's nothing illegal about that, at least for the time being. Uh, so looking into that a little bit, somebody put turned me on to the Eagles doing this, um, and I just started to dig a little bit deeper. I, I have something in the works kind of about the the mall and football that should be coming out here in a couple of weeks once I get a little more time. Um, but I discovered Sam Monson tweeting a lot about this. So going through his Twitter, I've seen he's been talking about this for a number of years, and he watches a lot of tape, as you have to do if you're pro football focuses lead analyst. So he's seen – you know, pretty much every lateral that's occurred in the last decade. Um, he, he's familiar with all this stuff, and he sees instances where it could work, right, and and the potential of it all. So, And on top of that, he's a rugby fan. He, he's got an Irish background, um, and it was a really fun conversation, and hopefully you enjoy it, right? This is my favorite topic. I love talking about this, so hopefully you like guys like listening to it, um, and I'll stop rambling and let you enjoy this conversation with Pro Football Focus lead analyst Sam Monson. 
All right, now welcome on a very special guest to the show. I'm pleased to be joined by Sam Monson, who's the lead analyst for Pro Football Focus. Sam, how's it going? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Thank you for joining me. Uh, I've been creeping on your Twitter for a while, Sam. I'm as fascinated (laughs) by the untapped potential of of rugby attacking concepts and the world of American football as you are. I know you're a lateral ally like me, so I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Uh, the first question I'll ask you, though, is just can you tell us a little bit about your rugby background, though? Because I know you you make your money in pro football, but I'd love to hear about your rugby background. Yeah, it's not a, not a tremendously exciting one, but I, I went to school in the UK and in Ireland. Um, it was a rugby school in England when I went to school. And you know, after getting out and doing college and going back to Dublin, I coached a little bit of rugby at Willow Park, which is the kind of junior school to Blackrock College, which is one of the biggest um, kind of colleges of, of rugby in the Dublin area that, that churned out a lot of players like Brian O'Driscoll was a, a Blackrock guy. Um, so I coached a little bit there and then that was all sort of pre pro football focus and pre the whole NFL stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so the reason I, this is kind of like how this has kickstarted my interest. And I know just going back through your Twitter, I know you've been pounding the drum for a number of years, but last year to me really felt like we were on the verge of like a Renaissance. I feel like, and you obviously watch more football than, than me or anybody else I know. Uh, but I feel like last year there was a lot of laterals. Did, did you kind of see the same thing? I feel like a lot of off of turnovers, there was some design stuff. Uh, so last year was the first time to me I'd really seen like a, kind of a lot of teams using it. Yeah, I haven't actually checked on the numbers overall, but it did feel like there was an uptick in those kinds of plays. And certainly last year I was noticing a lot of plays where um, laterals were available, even if they weren't necessarily being used. I think there were definitely players have been more um more keen on giving those little laterals in the course of turnovers especially um but i also think there's some plays now that are kind of showing up where they're almost creating opportunities for it as well right i would agree and and so the question i've asked everybody when i wrote this lateral piece that i wrote last year that i sent to you the question i've asked everybody is do you think that we'll eventually see a day where those type of plays are incorporated into a, a playbook, right? Like it's something that you practice um, because I feel like once you get past the line of scrimmage, it's, you just kind of take what you can get, you chalk it up as a win or a loss, or whatever, and you just keep it moving. But I feel like once you get past there, you have the ability to block downfield, which you don't have in rugby. It seems like so much untapped potential. Yeah, I think we're going to get there eventually. Um, it's a big kind of – it's like a lot of things with football where there's so – so much reluctance to do anything new or different from the norm, you know, and anytime you're going up against something that's been kind of taboo for so long, it's really hard to break through that ceiling. But once you eventually do, it just becomes part of the game like everything else. Yeah. And the thing that, that uh, talking to all these different football people, um, the thing that's kind of confusing to me is it seems like football coaches, right? They plan for every possible scenario. They prepare for, you know, this specific scenario, this and that. But I feel like they they don't practice that end of game, end of half situation when you could, you know, incorporate some sort of lateral play that could get you some points and ultimately win you a game. So I'm surprised that that's not something that's covered. And is it because it's just lack of knowledge? Or what do you think about that? No, I think part of it is because they just don't have the practice time. Yeah. You know, it's, that's one of the things that the NFL battles against now is, you know, with, with the newer collective bargaining agreements, there's so much limitation now placed on practice time, and you've got so much to, to cover 
over the course of weekly installs or just uh, training camp and installing the offense generally it's difficult to get to those types of things you know the kind of plays that might happen once or twice a season um and those kinds of things like you you even see it with very specific end of game scenarios like intentional safeties or you know weird things like that there was one uh, a couple of weeks ago where they apparently practiced it like on the in the walkthrough the day before the game like just that one random scenario on the off chance like you just don't have the time to cover everything yeah that was an answer i got a lot as well and i can totally see that uh, another answer I got a lot was you don't want your your offensive tackle or your guard touching the ball right in open field. I saw your tweet last week. We had a we had an opportunity to see this in the Packers game as they were trying to win a game there at the end uh, end of regulation. They threw the ball out wide to a lineman, kind of just like skipped off the ground, went right through his legs. Um, but I interviewed Steve Tasker, former Buffalo Bills great Steve Tasker. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this or not, Sam, but Steve actually played rugby for a little bit at Northwestern. I got him on the show. I asked him the same question, and he actually uh, had a good idea that I hadn't thought about. He said if it was up to him, you know, he sees the potential and the value in this too. If it was up to him, he would just deploy uh, a personnel package with all skill position players, right? It's all receivers, running backs, corners, safeties. It's guys that that could be dangerous with the ball in hand. Uh, What do you think about uh, somebody incorporating something like that? Yeah, I mean, you see, they have the hands team, right? The yeah, hands yeah. team that goes onside kicks. Like, there's no reason you can't teach five guys in the hands team to play offensive line for a second, you know, just long enough for you to get the ball out on a screen and then become part of the package. Um, like, to me, the other area is I think there are plays you can draw up. You know, you, you would see it sometimes with the sort of classic just hook and ladder play. Mm-hmm there are more complex versions of that that you can dial up for this type of scenario, which I think actually might be even more effective because teams' defenses are not expecting you to run like a routine play in a scenario where you have to go 70 yards and score a touchdown, right? Right. But there, I think, are plays that you can draw up that take advantage of things like a trail runner, you know, in open space that is not usually part of an offense and would get ignored, particularly in this sort of, time where everybody's just going to flow to the guy with the ball, you know, to try and make sure that guy can't score or that guy can't do anything crazy with, you know, the, the sort of immediate let's, let's be crazy and look for um, that endless sequence of chaotic laterals. I think you could actually take advantage and, and draw up a play that would work this way. I agree. And, and that's what the whole time I've tried to go into this, I tried to explain to all these football people that I've talked to who are actually very receptive to the idea. I fully went into like all these conversations, you know, wonder it or assuming that they were just going to shoot this down, like, oh, that makes absolutely no sense. But everybody was, you know, kind of said, I can see if this, ha- if somebody tried this and it did work, I could see how this could catch on. And I feel like uh, Kellen Moore was somebody last year that I saw doing a lot of the stuff with the Cowboys. I think it might have even been in that yep. first round of the playoffs where they did run something like that with, you know, they ran like a post and then a drag from the other side and caught it right in the middle and just threw off like a little switch. And, you know, it, it kind of froze everybody and got a couple extra yards maybe that they wouldn't have got otherwise. I think I just, I think there's potential there. And I think once somebody actually, and I know it comes down to time, but takes the takes the time and maybe reaches out to, to a coach or somebody that could help teach them a little better, it could just – take off like wildfire yeah kellen moore had a couple of plays last year um the jets ran something yeah, as the, well and barrios right yeah, yeah um the cardinals i think maybe the year before maybe it was the i think it was the cardinals the the season before that had a play where i don't think it was even intentional 
but yeah. they they accidentally kind of drew up what would be a perfect play like that. They faked a kind of bubble screen on one side of the field, and then they had that shallow drag like the Cowboys did. Um, but once everybody had realized that the screen wasn't real, the, the guy, I think it was Larry Fitzgerald, who sort of faked the bubble screen was all of a sudden wide open as like a follow-up trail runner to the drag. Like it would have been a perfect overlap that they manufactured, and I don't think they even realized that they did it. Uh-huh. Um, but those kinds of plays, I think, are pretty easy to achieve. They exist. Like the concept of being able to create those trail runners and be able to block on the front side of the play makes these things even more potent than rugby strike plays. Right. That would be uh, awesome. And I, know, I have a feeling somebody's going to do it one day, and I'll get back to it in a little bit. But I want to transition to some of the mall stuff we've been able to see. And you you are like the ringleader. You're correcting people. It's not a scrum. It's a mall. And the rugby community appreciates that, Sam. So I wanted to say thank <laughs> you for that. I, I saw you got Collinsworth on the mall train, right? He, he's saying it right now, which is great news. Um, but the Eagles have actually, you know, been doing some interesting mall-looking tactics when they need a yard or two. Um, and I, I showed it to some of the, the coaches at the American Raptors, which is this crossover program, and they were pretty impressed with the mall technique. Why is that something that teams don't do more often? That seems like a pretty easy way to just get one or two yards when you need it. Yeah, it's everywhere now. I actually can't work out why it's taken so long to become a thing. Um, obviously, in college, there was a rule that specifically – prohibited it for a long time and that's why you get that you know the the reggie bush play the bush push push, was yeah but that i don't think that's been a thing in the nfl like it hasn't been illegal it's just been a thing that people didn't do and you haven't been able to to pull the runner but i think you've always been allowed to push him um and i think teams have only just realized that that's kind of like a short yardage cheat code particularly when it, I mean, you see a lot of teams now are doing it by they're putting a receiver in motion and then they're using the receiver to latch on and drive the guy over the line. But I think you, you used to see all the time, you know, guys putting defensive linemen in as a fullback and having him lead, lead through a, a gap like a, like a fullback. But if that defensive tackle is the guy that you're using to latch on and drive, you know, the quarterback or the ball carrier over the line. I mean, that's a hell of a lot more impactful than a wide receiver doing it. So I think now that teams have, for some reason, the light switch has gone on and teams are starting to do that. I think you're going to start to see a lot more of that type of thing because it really should be unstoppable over a yard. You know, it becomes a third and fourth and short cheat code I, I honestly can't see a good way of being able to stop that yeah definitely I and Sam I'm unfortunately a Broncos fan um, and, and if they would have done that play a couple more times this year we might have a couple more wins unfortunately but uh, it, it, it just seems like football is something that that people make a little bit more complicated than it needs to be sometimes and this is a good way to do it so do you think that you know maybe they they evolve this this uh mall idea start working the ball back like you would in, a, in an actual mall to a hooker uh, you think you think somebody gets the guts to try that yeah i don't think it's going to go that far but i think we're definitely seeing teams use it more not even um schematically but i think offensive linemen have understood now that if you launch yourself into the back of a pile you've got the chance to move that thing five yards before it gets called for you know, um, before forward progress has stopped. Like, I think you're seeing linemen now do this regularly where they understand that if they get there quick enough, they can influence how far this run is going to go just by keeping that pile moving. And eventually, 
that probably starts to filter into the the actual scheme and the game plan. You're going to see people uh, draw things up that get offensive linemen into those situations more. Like instead of set of screen plays where the offensive lineman gets out in front and blocks, you're also going to see them still moving when they're trailing the yeah. play to try and make sure that they can get those yards at the end of it. Yes, yeah, got to make them work a little bit harder. Uh, uh, one of the other things I want to talk to you about, Sam, is I saw, you know, we've seen a lot of the receivers that are warming up with rugby balls this year. Um, and I saw your tweets exchanging with some other people about uh, why they're doing this. I saw a couple of quotes, and it's interesting enough. So uh, Michael Bandy, he plays receiver for the Los Angeles Chargers. He was actually a scrum half with this American Raptors program um, in between his football opportunities. So he played at San Diego. Uh, he didn't have any football opportunities because of COVID. He took a shot, came and learned rugby a little bit, was learning how to play scrum half. Got an opportunity to go back to the spring league, and then that turned into an opportunity with the Chargers. Um, he's been back and forth off the practice squad and the active roster for the last two years. And when he went back to the spring league, after he'd been playing rugby for five or six months, I asked him if there was anything that it was helping him in his transition back to football. And interestingly enough, that's one of the things that he said was that you know, catching a football was like catching a tennis ball. It was so small, and it was so much easier to catch a football after catching a rugby ball for all that time. Yeah, it's interesting. That was the kind of general consensus, as people were saying. Yeah. It became a lot easier to catch the ball because it beca it's, it started to seem so much smaller. Um, the second part makes sense to me. Obviously, it's yeah, a, yeah. it does feel like a smaller ball when you're catching it. I, I, I'm not quite sure why that connects to being easier to catch, though. Like in, yeah. Certainly, in my head, that that's almost uh, that's almost counterintuitive to yeah. what you would expect. Yeah, it could be a bad thing. You're you're used to you know the specific size of something. You don't want to miss it. I just thought it was interesting because he said kind of the same things I saw in your replies of people kind of saying the same stuff. And then uh, one of the I think it was one of the Giants receivers said the same thing. So um, just thought that was a, an interesting point. Sam, I think the last one I'll ask you before I let you go, and I really appreciate your time again. Uh, somebody is going to try this eventually, right? Somebody is going to put it in. Uh, when, where do you think we'll see it? At what level? It's, I certainly don't think we'll see it in the NFL first, um, but I'm curious as to what you think. I, th I mean, high school coaches are the ones that always have the most leeway with this kind of thing. Um, that's where you see the most creative, the most out there types of systems being run, aside from anything else, because they can get the most practice time with these guys. Um, it's why, you know, you don't see the triple option being run in the NFL because yeah. you just don't have the practice time to get that down. Um, certainly not to install from scratch. Like if you had a program that was always running it, then maybe you could keep it going, but you can't spool it up from the pro style. We can't just go and set up the triple option tomorrow nobody's ever going to get it down in that time. So I think the same thing, you're never going to get an offense that goes like 100% to any of these kind of crazy uh, radical types of systems. But if you were a high school and you had all that practice time to work with and you have the kind of, particularly if you're a bad program, you know, and you're not winning anyway, like yeah. you've got the kind of leeway to be able to install something crazy that wins in a way that, you know, nobody else can deal with. And you know, it's like you go way back to like the early, you know, maybe in the century before, but certainly the early 1900s where you're talking like that's why the triple option and offenses like that existed in the first place. Like Carlisle Indian Academy ran some yeah. crazy offense that was all fakes and ball, you know, misdirection and, and all this kind of stuff because 
they were physically not in the same league as these other teams they were going up against. So they had to create an offense that caused chaos or that people couldn't read and couldn't understand where the ball was because that was their advantage. I think you could do that at the high school level and offset the fact that you're not the best, you know, best, most talented program around by running something that nobody else has seen before. Yes. I agree, and that's a lot of the answers I got, too. The stakes are a little bit lower, too, right? You're not going to get run out of town if you run this and you lose a game. It's not on TV for millions of people to see and make fun of you. Um, and I, I know it's going to happen one day, and I'm going to be waiting for that day. But, Sam, thank you so much. I love talking about this. Um, and it's fun to find other people that, that kind of feel the same way as I do. So I really appreciate your time. Uh, thank you so much. No problem. Anytime. All right, I hope everyone enjoyed that conversation with Pro Football Focus's lead analyst, Sam Monson. I know I certainly did. Like I said before the interview, this is my favorite topic. Love talking about this, uh, so hopefully people like listening to it because hopefully I'm not beating a dead horse, but I think the more people we talk to, the more opinions we get, uh, the more realistic it becomes because I have yet to talk to anybody that's just flat out said, no, this is a stupid idea. So we're getting closer to seeing this implemented into some more organized football um, that's going to be really cool when that happens. I think that could be good for the game of rugby. Uh, it just brings more legitimacy to it, right? And that's all. What, that's what we all want at the end of the day. Uh, so thank you to Sam for taking the time to chat with me. I know he's a busy guy, uh, but I really enjoyed that that conversation. Hopefully you did too. Let's go move into the required reading portion of the show now. Required reading is brought to you by Gilbert Rugby. Gilbert is the official rugby equipment supplier of the American Raptors. Visit worldrugbyshop.com to grab all of your Gilbert Rugby gear. This piece is titled Major League Rugby Announces New Team in Chicago After LA and Austin Exit by Martin Pangeli and The Guardian. Uh, just put this in there because it does a good job. Again, I'm trying to find the, these generic, generic's not the right word. I'm trying to find these encompassing, these pieces that encompass all this information, right? They do a good job rounding up what's going on, uh, giving you a good idea of the changes, and uh, these people are more plugged in than I am. Uh, so they, they know different people and they have more insight as to what's going on behind the scenes. This is another one of those pieces talking about the dispersal draft, all that good stuff. Uh, so I wanted to make sure I included that in this podcast. I'll include it in the article that houses this podcast. I know we've been having a little bit of trouble on the DMVR.com. Uh, so we'll put it in the description of this podcast as well. So listen in your favorite app, Spotify, Apple Music, whatever. You can just scroll down, click on the link, and be more informed about what's going on in Major League Rugby. Let's go ahead and jump into the stat of the week now. Stat of the week is presented by Catapult. Catapult is committed to making performance technology available to the athletes at all levels, whether it's the biggest teams and organizations in world sport or amateur rugby players. Catapult helps monitor performance like the pros. For more information, visit catapultsports.com. So if you've been at all interested or if you're at all interested in college football, um, even in the slightest, I'm sure you've seen the price of admission to top-ranked Tennessee at number 3 Georgia this weekend floating around on the internet. It is said to be the most expensive regular season ticket on record. This is from Front Office Sports. Number one, Tennessee at number three, Georgia, is currently the most expensive regular season college football game on record per TickPick. That's a dangerously, that's a dangerous Twitter handle, TickPick. I'm saying that with a T just so everyone knows. TickPick, not, not whatever you think I'm saying. Uh, the get-in price, so the cheapest price just to get in standing room only or whatever, is $626, and the most expensive price is $5,233. So this is a go-watch college football game. Uh, and that got me wondering what the most expensive rugby ticket ever sold was. 
I haven't been able to find anything concrete. I haven't been able to find anything that says this is the most expensive rugby ticket ever sold. Um, but I did find a couple of different things, right? Last year for the Six Nations, it was saying the most that was the most expensive Six Nations with with upper, you know, tickets in the upper echelon costing like 125 pounds sterling, which comes out to be almost 140 US dollars right now. Uh, so that that's pretty reasonable, right? I feel like you can't go to an NFL game for that. Um, you can go watch baseball, or especially here, you can go watch the Nuggets. You can go watch the Avalanche. Like that's going to be a good seat if you're paying one hundred and forty dollars for, you know, a ticket to that. Um, but that's pretty reasonable. I'm going to Nashville next weekend to watch the Broncos play the Titans, and we're easily going to spend double that on a ticket to sit in the lower bowl. Um, but I did find some stuff from the Rugby World Cup in 2019, and I found tickets from the the final between South Africa and England in Japan that were twenty five thousand six hundred and eighty seven New Zealand dollars. I found this on uh, Radio New Zealand's website, which is why it's in New Zealand dollars. But that converts to fourteen thousand eight hundred and forty seven U.S. dollars, which is an expensive ticket. But then when you think about it, like that's a final, right? That's the pinnacle of rugby union in the world. And comparing that to you know what tickets were going for in L.A. at the Super Bowl last year, that seems like like pretty reasonable, right? Again, that's the pinnacle of the sport. Uh, so I'm going to keep looking. I, I didn't find anything concrete, but I'm going to keep my eyes peeled for the most expensive rugby ticket ever sold. If you have a lead on it, please let me know. Send it to me on Twitter because um, I'm on the hunt for it. Let's go ahead and close the show with The Loop. The Loop is presented by First Bank, and First Bank is the official banking partner of Infinity Park. They believe in banking for good, doing their best to do right by their customers, communities, and employees. Banking for good, member FDIC. Uh, so follow along, please, on Twitter, at the NVR underscore rugby and at Colton Strickler. Uh, we took a little bit of a step back. We were looking good, trending in the right direction, um, and lost a couple of followers, I think, after that giveaway. So I might have to do another giveaway, boost that followers up, because I really want to get to 1,000 before New Year's. Please, please help me out if you can. Um, that'd be awesome. You can find all the rest of the work at thednvr.com. I know, again, we've been having a little bit of trouble with the website. Um, that should be resolved soon. So once that gets fixed, that's where you can find all the, the writing and the podcast, whatever you're looking for. Please come to the match on Saturday. If you're at the match on Saturday, shoot me a tweet. I'll make sure I'll come say what's up. And if you're watching the match, you know, send me a tweet anyways. I'll make sure I'll retweet it. Um, and that does it. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you had a great week. Hope you had a, a great weekend. Enjoy all the rugby this weekend, and I'll catch you back here next Friday. Yeah.